Community Matters, Saturdays, 95.3 WBCK, anytime, battlecreekpodcast.com. Our thanks to Lakeview Forward Lincoln for the sponsorship that makes this program possible. Sheriff Steve Hinckley, Calhoun County Sheriff, joins us now on Community Matters. Good morning, sir. Good morning. So here we are, right around the corner from Halloween. Uh, We have a cursory obligation to talk a little bit about safety as Halloween comes around and the responsibilities we have as parents and motorists and adults to try to make it as safe as possible for the trick-or-treaters. What goes through your mind when you think about that? Here are some of the things that really uh, um, every Halloween we discuss it internally at the agency. And, And the main thing is pedestrian safety. Kids will pop out behind vehicles, in front of parked vehicles, they'll run into the road. Really, I remember driving my patrol car during Halloween and I come into the village and I park because there were so many people and they were so many kids are just so unpredictable and they're running through the roads. And and I think one of the things that I want to stress is make sure that you are crossing safely. Make sure that you as a parent have your child. Make sure you remember the days. Remember when we were kids, we had those plastic masks. You couldn't <laughs> see out of them, and you knew that when your parent tapped you on the shoulder, you were supposed to say "trick or treat," and 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 you felt candy coming in because you can't see anything. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure that your kids can see. That has clear visibility. They have reflective material on them. They're lit up. Uh, make sure that they they there's nothing hanging down, so they trip and fall. Uh, I mean, there's just so many safety things about the costumes about uh, the pedestrian safety. And I'll, and I'll stop because I, I want to talk about food safety also. Yeah. By the way, my mother used to cut those eyelets open <laughs> more on those masks. <laughs> yeah. so you as Superman had big, big eye holes. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> I, I'm quite sure I must have said, Mom, you know, because, you know, they they probably made the mask look a little less like the character but that's exactly what she did she cut some of those open more so you could be sure to see as best that you could yeah. and the food safety thing you're right um i remember so here here are the things that we remember from our days trick or treating they're still true my mother would say you don't eat any of that candy until mm-hmm. it's come home and it's been inspected i presume that's still the advice it's true. So right now we we participate. We we hand out candy. We used to inspect candy. We used to use our our metal detector for years. We were at the Homer Fire Station, Tecumseh Fire Station. Albion would do this, and so now we're just giving out candy, and we're just saying. I mean, it, it's pretty simple as this: you should not be eating homemade candy wrapped in plastic, and you as a person handing out candy should not be handing that candy out. It's just simple. Unless you know the person, unless it's grandpa and grandma, a family member that's giving you that material. If you go to the house and you get a a homemade packaged material, you should need it, period. And the other thing that as a parent, you shouldn't let your child taste test the candy. You know, when you're walking and you pop it out, you should make sure that all that candy comes home. You dump it on the table and use a parent go through everything. Everything should be commercially packaged. And, you know, if there's a Snickers or a payday and you need to have it yourself, then you as a parent <laughs> probably should take part, right? It's a commission uh, for the service. It, it's commission. <laughs> I like it. Yes. Yes. What should they look for? Are there certain things when you're examining candy that we should consider suspicious looking? We look for uh, any open pack- packaging. Anything that was open, tampered with, 
And what we did is we just had replacement candy. So if we found something that just looked strange and maybe the pack package was partially open when they dropped it, we just replaced it. It yeah. was just simple as that. You can't be you can't be too safe. This is just a strange world that we're living in. And there's just some very strange things that are happening. And I think we all need to use very good common sense and a lot of caution to protect ourselves and watch over uh, our families and our children and each other. And it's tricky, but um, always err on the side of caution. Well, you mentioned something interesting, and that is uh, maybe going to trunk or treats and other, or other organized events that don't necessarily put trick-or-treaters in the public streets, but in a contained area with maybe a a certain group that might be sponsoring that event with which a parent feels comfortable. Are those generally safer, would you say, than uh, than just going running in the neighborhood? Yeah. So th- the reason I like those better is, you know, you're not going up to someone's house, walking up their sidewalk, opening it, opening up their pedestrian gate, walking up to their door, knocking on their door. You know, there's a lot of people that just simply they don't want to participate. They don't want you on your on their property. Uh, they really don't want any, any interaction. So it's kind of tricky on trying to pick which house to go to. It's just so much simpler to, vi- to find a public sponsored event where you can go. You can still get the same uh, effect, right? Everybody has their costume on. There's candy there. You can do so many things. And it's just a safer environment. It brings you into an area that you don't have all those vehicles traveling. It's just It's just a different environment. And it's much, much safer than generally trick-or-treating and if somebody and there's a lot of people at their house they enjoy people coming kids coming to their house they really do Mm -hmm. so if you're that person that you should probably look up a trunk or treat event and participate in that and so you can still get the same satisfaction working with your community working with kids there's something out there for everyone it's just it just looks different from when we were kids right yeah, for sure. Any other thoughts, uh, safety tips, uh, information that you think parents should know ahead of the big night? I think we covered most of them. I think it's going to be exciting. It, I'm hoping for good weather. And um, put your cellular device away and enjoy your family and enjoy your kids and uh, interact and 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 have fun. I remember a few Halloweens when it was cold and my mother made me put my coat on over my yeah costume that's a big bummer <laughs> like superman did not wear a winter coat mom right? that's right so hopefully we won't have that issue to there deal with we were just chatting with uh, congresswoman leitner about uh the outcomes of the uh juvenile justice task force on which both of you participated and uh, you and i talked about it some time ago uh, how do you feel about it now that uh, that we seem to be crossing a finish line or getting pretty close to what you're were aiming for, some legislation to help uh, gain some parity and some uh, updates, shall we say, with juvenile justice? When you look at some of these laws, they are so old and, and they just do not fit the environment and the um, the area that we're in right now. And there's just some things that need to be updated. I mean, when we look at some of these th- some of these laws, we've realized, hey, we've a made some mistakes, and b we've made some mistakes in the different direction that we need. You know, we 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 need to we need to work through these. So I'm pretty excited to see the bills move through, uh, and I'm I'm pretty excited. There has been a lot of good, strong conversation behind these bills. Uh, I think one of my one of my points we discussed about uh, last time 
was uh, one of the diversion processes for, for law enforcement, for, for me diverting someone for a status type crime uh, versus sending it to the prosecutor. The prosecutor has a program now, but now this could be uh, in the state law and have different options. So there's so many good things happening. Um, and hopefully, hopefully we can uh, we can weed through because you know now now it's from the committee we've made our recommendations and now it's up in Lansing and now politics takes part yeah and and sometimes politics is frustrating right mm-hmm. and uh, especially from the law enforcement side when you look and you say you're making a law that law enforcement really understands and and understands the the complexity to it. And sometimes we do have some good input and we can we can give you some some suggestions on on how to make it better. So yeah, but it's it's exciting. Good stuff. Congressman Leitner alluded a few times to the notion over the course of our discussions, more than one, that she's asked you about various uh things they were trying to hammer out as they were considering what these uh bills should should cover, should say, should uh, affect. And so uh, that I think is probably important, right? A, a law enforcement perspective helps this get across the finish line. You know, it does. And I can't say enough good things about the committee. It it had so many different people from so many different areas in the state of Michigan that had different perspectives, things that, things that I didn't think of that really fit into the law enforcement world. We had a great discussion. I was very proud to be part of that panel and give the input. And, and she said it very well. I have had more phone calls from U.S. congressmen, from our state reps, from everybody across the board. They call often and they say, you know, hey, this is what we're looking at. Mm-hmm. What, what's law enforcement version or vision for this particular bill. You know, they're not going to listen to me all the time, but at least we have a specific input, right? And we can we can give some pretty interesting facts about the good and bad parts of different bills. So we've had some great communication. We have so many good things happening in our community and around us. It is uh it's good. It's been a while since I looked at the names on that list, but were there other law enforcement representatives on that panel or were you the only one? There was. There was the uh, Michigan Chiefs Association had a representative and I represented the Michigan Sheriff's Association. All right. So uh, as you say, politics enters into it a little bit now. Now, now Congresswoman Leitner was pretty confident that uh, what you've come up with what they came up with was representative of the recommendations that were made uh, and felt pretty good about that. That's the the sense I got, confidence from what she said. But as the uh, law enforcement representative who helped make these recommendations, do you hold your breath now and say, okay, don't change it? <laughs> listen, listen, I hold my breath till the very last minute <laughs> until it's voted on, the vote is in, and it is it is solid and concrete. Then I say, then I say we're good. So yeah. I hope that I hope that what we have uh, the recommendations uh, work through the system. But we shall see. What happens now? Uh, uh, are there other panels out there you'd like to see formed? Other reform efforts that would help law enforcement? What do you want to see happen next? I think one of the next things that um, I'm hearing is they're discussing 
police reform, but we, we call it police improvement. A lot of things that they are talking about improving law enforcement surrounds, I mean, a lot of things that we're doing now, we don't have chokeholds. Michigan really has never had most of those things. Mm-hmm. Other states may have, but we just we have never had those. Those have been prohibited in many, many areas. I think some of the struggles now is uh, training, uh, is properly funding the Michigan Commission on Law Enforcement Standards properly funding to local law enforcement. The funding right now is is terrible for per officer. There are so many things for improve, improving law enforcement then it, that can occur and uh, it's going to be a it's going to be an interesting process to move through. Uh, I mean right now the Michigan uh, Commission on Law Enforcement Standards through the state provided us with a uh, funding to uh, train new police officers and uh, to cover almost, not quite, but almost all of their salary during that training in the police academy. Mm. That was huge for us. Uh, We have, uh, we, we have, we're up to nine and I think we have three more that we're planning on sending to the police academy, all funded from local funding would have been very difficult for us, but it has really helped establish and maintain our staffing levels because we continue we just had a retirement today. And uh, so we continue to have those retirements. We continue to have people that, that enter the profession that say, you know, this isn't for us. And so mm-hmm. there really is a lot of good positive things. And I hope that it continues in that direction. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I was about to ask you about staffing and recruitment. And we've certainly heard, it wasn't long ago, I think right before Chief Blocker retired, he talked about the notion of, of recruitment for uh, city police is that a challenge for the sheriff's department as well? Yeah. So, so if I think the last time we talked, we were down 32 employees. Wow. So, so 32 employees out of 198. That's that's a lot of staff. And so we are we're back up. Uh, we're only down seven right now, but we still have um, some retirements coming. And the interesting thing, even though we've replaced most of those those employees. We have employees that still have to attend the 160-hour Corrections Academy. Mm. We have employees that have to attend the Police Academy. So even though those names are on a roster, they still aren't in an operational role in the facility yet. So we have four uh, at the Lansing Corrections Academy right now, graduating, I think, next week. We have four at the Kalamazoo Academy, graduating, I think, in two weeks. So out of those eight... There's eight people missing from the jail that causes overtime. But as soon as we get everyone trained and up and and back into that process, I think we'll be in a pretty comfortable mode. We're a lot better than we were. My goodness. We are leaps and bounds. Is there a continuing education requirement? I mean, you think about a profession where someone is certified in that regard, there is continuing education that has to happen to maintain certifications. Are law enforcement officers required to do something similar? Yes. I'll give you an example. Speed measurement requirements, standardized field sobriety for drunk driving have to be you have to be recertified every few years. Uh, you got firearms recertification. You have to be proficient in that. So in order to maintain that license, and you know, and I and I don't want to get it off on another track, but I think this is so important. These licenses held by corrections and police are different than they what they were 30 years ago. Don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to take away anything from a person, a police officer or correction 30 years ago, but there is so much more intensity to what these officers and corrections officers are doing. When you really cut the pie for a minute, they're kind of a little bit of an attorney. They're a little bit of a counselor. Yeah. They're a little bit of a parent. 
They're a little bit of a doctor and a medical person. They're a piece of all of our society representing all of us. When I go to that car accident and somebody needs medical help, I'm there to help them. When I walk away from that car accident and somebody's committing a crime, I'm making a legal determination whether I'm going to arrest this person, take their freedom away, and take them to the jail or let them go. And now we're dealing, our officers are working, including corrections, uh, with crisis intervention training, the mental health stuff. So a call that I would have went on in 1990 that I may have spent 10 minutes on, a call that I go into now, it may take me three hours because Mm -hmm. I have different resources for the person to help them and I need to get them connected. It's exciting. It's different. It's rewarding. It's confusing. It's I can go down the list. It (laughs) it, it just is. So I pause a second just to let folks allow that to sink in what you said about all of those roles. And that's absolutely true. Depending on the, the situation, your deputies are expected to respond accordingly, which pulls from all these different levels and and fields of acumen to to get it done. Very true. Well, uh, Sheriff Steve Hinckley, we appreciate the uh, discussion. And of course, this is good advice about Halloween too. So everyone be safe. I think I drive at an absolute crawl in my neighborhood on on Halloween night because uh, of the things you actually just described. And so we hope everyone uses a similar amount of caution. So thank you. And we'll catch up again soon. Thank you. Have a great day. Sheriff Steve Hinckley on Community Matters.